Thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Psalm 127 this morning. Psalm 127. And uh, we'll read, it's a short psalm, and we'll read that together and uh, look to what the Lord would speak to us this morning as we look ahead to uh, 2022. When you're there, if you will, stand with me and we'll read it together. The word of the Lord says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the public reading of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be together uh, this morning. We ask you to speak to us through your word that you will guide and lead us for your glory. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for this time together today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thought about uh, the beginning of the year, uh, what I tend to do pastorally in terms of preparation and planning and thinking about what the Lord would uh, have us to walk through over the course of the year is to begin kind of planning out uh, series uh, throughout the year, praying about knowing that that is flexible as we get to the time and uh, what, what the Lord may be speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I've been thinking quite some time about this first month of 2022, uh, praying about it, asking the Lord uh, for uh, wisdom and thinking specifically about what uh, to, to share with you uh, today. In fact, uh, Brother, Brother Jay Temple was going to bring uh, the message this morning and was unable to be here. And uh, as I have really wrestled with this uh, message as the, as the kickoff for uh, 2022, I'm praying the Lord helps you uh, to hear one from my heart pastorally, but what I also believe is the Lord's heart to us together as a, as a, as a people. And so I think it's important for us to really try to lay a proper foundation for, for what is to come. And when we think about the future, which we do a lot at this time of year, we kind of think about what's coming in 2022. It's also important for us to look behind us and to consider what already has been done. So uh, for instance, if you had a one-story house and you wanted to build a second story on that one-story house, you'd have to think back and consider what has been done before, what 
who had built the foundation before? How had that foundation uh, been built? And is it capable to be built upon with another story on top of the one that is already there? So in order to, to build that second story, the contractor would kind of have to look back and to see what was uh, done previously in order to effectively build on uh, the future. And so I think for today that you and I uh, need to look back in order to move forward. And I think that we are at a very important stage in our history, not just as a people uh, kind of in, a, in this country or this community, but also I think we're in an important point in terms of uh, a people who fellowship and worship together uh, for the glory of the Lord, a people who come together in a desire to serve the Lord on uh, common ground. I think it's important for us because I believe we're at a, a very critical point in our history. Uh, we stand, as of this moment, on the cusp of what I would say is our second year of ministry here in Charlottesville. First official service was the first Sunday of March, but there was uh, prayer meetings and things going on even at this time two years ago. And we have to decide and think about what we are going to do and to be for the long term. And so several years ago, I was part of uh, another church plant, and we were looking for a facility uh, to use in uh, worship, and we went to a few different places to look uh, for uh, a church building to worship in or um, some place to rent or to utilize. And there was a church building that was actually for sale, a building that had been used uh, for the purpose of, of worship, uh, a pastor and his uh, wife somehow, I don't, I don't know quite how this happened, but the pastor and his wife actually owned that building and were uh, selling it. Upstairs was a, a, the worship sanctuary and downstairs was uh, classrooms and such. And they had led this church that was in existence for about 20 years. And then when the pastor decided to uh, retire, the church closed. And so while it was in existence, the people of the church, they went on trips, they worked out in the community together, they seemed to be active in the Lord's work. And as I uh, toured the building, thinking about uh, the ministry that we were doing at uh, that time and thinking about the future, I wondered what the pastor thought when that church began in terms of its long-term future. Now, did he anticipate a day 20 years down the road where the fellowship would be uh, closed and the building would be sold and everyone would kind of move on to whatever was next, the next chapter in their life. And so that's also caused me to think about uh, what we are doing as Riverstone Church, what God is calling us to do here at about two years uh, what is our future? What is God speaking to us? Me personally, if I were uh, to, to die or retire at the young age of 45, uh, what, what would happen to our fellowship? Not that it's built upon me. Uh, it ought not be. Uh, I hope it's not. Uh, but what would happen to our fellowship? And so I have to think, while I'm serving in this position that God has uh, called me to serve in, uh, what can I do to prepare Riverstone Church for the time and opportunity when I will no longer be here? That's really something that we all have to think about. What are we doing to prepare the next generation 
for the time when we'll no longer be here? So that's a question that's not just mine to ask. It's the question, again, that each one of us needs to ask. What are we doing to prepare this local church to exist beyond our time? We're writing the first chapter, but we also have to be planning for the next chapter. We're writing the first chapter of this church's existence, but we also have to think and to plan for the next chapter of the church's existence. I've done a lot of funerals in my uh, time in ministry, and uh, one of the things that we think about in terms of death is the people who come to a funeral uh, are always thinking about the person who's there and in theory thinks, well, that, that could be me. I could die at some point, but we don't really grasp the reality of it at times. But at some point, that will be us. Should the Lord tarry, at some point, there probably will be a gathering for you or for me as we exit this life and into the next. In the church in general, not just here at Riverstone, but just in general, uh, it seems that at times we're not as concerned about the future maybe as we ought to be. We're more concerned about the present. We ask the questions, is the music my style? Are the messages relevant to me? Are the ministries accommodating to me? And these are questions that are often asked by people who tend to live in the present, not those who are looking to the future. And as a community of believers, our concern must be with establishing a church that will do the work of ministry until Jesus comes. That's my hope for Riverstone Church, that this church will continue to exist as a fellowship until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that we together have to prepare the next generation to be faithful. And I will tell you, this is one of the things that is on my mind consistently is what is going on with the next generation. How are we preparing the next generation to be faithful with the tools of the gospel until the Lord comes? I believe that this means that we must empower others for works of service in the kingdom. This means each one of us finding our place in ministry here so that we can also come alongside the next generation and help them to do the work of ministry that God is calling them to do as well. I grew up in a home where, as I've shared with you before, where my father owned a construction business. And so much of how I see the world around me has to do with growing up in that home, the way I see government, the way I see money, the way I see even some of the concepts of scripture were formed in that context of a small business, my dad getting up and going to work day after day. And there were times when as a young boy, I would go out with my dad to a vacant plot of land and would help him begin to lay out a building, pulling uh, the lines, hammering in the stakes, holding a post while he looked at it and leveled things out with a transit. And then the next few days, a backhoe would be brought in, footers would be dug to hold the foundation of that building. And any builder will tell you that the foundation is the most important part. Our dear sister Cynthia, who is here, who is uh, a realtor in our community, would probably 
tell us that if she's trying to sell a house and the foundation is cracked, that it's probably going to be a difficult sale. It's going to be a problem. She's going to have to work through. There's going to have to be experts called in because people are going to be very, very concerned. Getting the foundation right is important. Our text out of Psalm 127 speaks about building a house. And I think it's interesting that Solomon connects two seemingly uh, dissimilar concepts, that of building a house and training children uh, into this one psalm in Psalm 127. But I think it's a right connection. And I think when we look closely, that we'll see that these concepts have some very common threads that are important for us to look at. And so I want us to look at verses one and two, and then we'll jump into verses three through five. Verses one, verse one says, unless the Lord builds that house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keeps awake in vain. So when we read this passage, a common element in building a house and guarding a city is what? The Lord. The common element in building a house and in guarding the city, according to verse 1 of Psalm 127, is the Lord. Now Solomon knew about building houses. He built the royal palace and he built the temple, and both of them were beautiful and glorious. And some have estimated that if the temple alone were to be rebuilt today, that it would cost over $140 billion to recreate it in the glory that Solomon had built it in his day. Can you imagine? Not even fathomable to me. My bank account doesn't talk in those numbers. Solomon knew what it took to build a house, yet in his great wisdom, he recognizes that sheer grit and determination are unable to get the job done without God's influence. It's obvious that this passage, while it has some symbolic meanings, there are some very practical meanings for you and for me. We can venture out to do something such as building a house and we can have the best architects and the best engineers do the work for us. And when they are done, we could have a home fit to live in for a king. And yet if God is not in it, it is all vanity. I've heard people say God doesn't care about the building. And my response is, yes, God does. Because the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Our efforts in the marketplace, our efforts in work, our efforts in education and building a house, building a shed, building a church. All of these things are in vain if we do not recognize the sovereignty of God over them. God has to help us build the church, this church, by building faithful families. No amount of conferences or books or programs will help you put together a home that is pleasing to the Lord. All these things are fine and good in their proper place, but God must be the central focus of our homes, and we must consistently point Riverstone's children and grandchildren to the Lord. One of the challenges that we find ourselves in is that often we think, oh, we know the way to lead this next generation to the Lord. We can become confident in our own 
abilities. We can become confident in our ability to teach our children during Bible time or during sermons. We come become confident in our statements that say, oh, this is what God wants, or I think this is what God wants. But unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And Riverstone must be built upon the biblical concept that faithful people will build faithful families who will build a faithful church under the gracious sovereignty of the Lord. This cannot be a one-man, two-man, three-man, three-person show. It is an every-person show. It has to be an every-person show. May God help us to know when to let go of the reins and to pass them to a younger somebody who is able and capable to call fire from heaven and call a generation to repentance and back to the Lord. If you and I were in a relay race, we would be running a race. Now, if you're the lead in a, a, a relay race and you're ready to pass the baton, the proper way to run a relay race is not to stop, turn around, and give the baton to the next guy who's running, is it? The proper way to run, win a relay race is to keep running as fast as you can and begin to pass off behind you while the person who is behind you who is reaching forward is running as fast as they can, reaching and when they have tight, hold tightly to the baton, begin passing you up and you're there cheering, run, run, run as you're slowing down. That's how a relay race works. Those who are advanced in the race are passing on to those who are behind while everyone is running as fast as they can. And once the relay has passed, the one who is ahead is cheering for what is moving forward, what is passing them on. That's what you and I must think about in terms of our role here at Riverstone Church. How are we faithfully passing the baton to the next generation? Some of us who have kind of come up over the years, we may think, well, you know, my, my young adulthood, it was difficult. There was a lot of bad things out there. There were a lot of things that were calling me away. And I'm telling you, I don't know how some of the young people are persevering in the environment that they're persevering in right now. It seems to be one of the most difficult periods of human history to be able to faithfully serve the Lord because there's things coming at you from every single direction. Second portion of verse one is similar to the first part, but it says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Solomon is pointing us here to the notion that God is sovereign over all things. We can armor ourselves and seek to increase military strength, but it is all in vain unless the Lord guards the city. We must recognize as a people of God that God is active and present and must be reckoned with on a consistent basis. We must recognize God's presence in this church consistently. We must recognize that God is the one who is directing. God is the one who is leading. And we all have a responsibility to listen to his voice. Solomon says in verse 2, that it is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late. 
to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. This isn't a message against hard work. In 2 Thessalonians 2.10, the apostle Paul says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Colossians 3 and 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And Proverbs 10 and 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. As we think about hard work, we ought to work hard, but our hard work ought not to replace a trust in the Lord. We can work very hard, and yet it will all come to nothing if the Lord is not in it. Jesus spoke about this in Luke Chapter 12, he says, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Not a message on just giving of money or giving of things. What is important for you and I to think about and what I hope you'll take away from this message is as you look around the room this morning and as you see those who are younger than you and me in the room that we have to be diligently in prayer for them that God would raise them up and help them to be faithful. There has to be someone someday who is younger than me or younger than uh, Chris who's going to step behind this pulpit and take the reins and lead it faithfully for the next generation. Amen? Amen? Who's that person going to be? Who is God going to call? Who are we going to equip? That's our goal. That is what I believe God is calling us to as this local body of believers, to see the next generation step up faithfully and lead this into the future. Verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them that will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. When I use the word family here, I'm speaking of family in the context of an individual family unit, but I'm also speaking in the context of the church family. It's not an either or, but a both and concept. When I, when I was in my teens seeking the Lord, it was men in the church, but who were outside of my family that discipled me. Men in the church, but who had no blood relation to me, who took me under their wing and discipled me. That's what's necessary in a church such as this. Every one of us having ownership of the next generation every one of us having ownership of what is to come next. 
In Luke chapter 2, Jesus' parents were in Jerusalem, and Jesus was about 12 years old. When they were heading back home, his family had gone a day's journey without knowing exactly where he was. Now, that day's journey would have been, if you think about, like, from here, walking to Waynesboro. That's what would have probably about transpired. Waynesboro might be a hair further than a day's journey of that time, but not much farther. So think about a caravan moving in that direction, going a day's journey away without knowing where your kids are. Why was that? Why wasn't there this great concern to get all the way over to Waynesboro not knowing that uh, Ethan is not with us? Because there was an assumption that the caravan that was heading in that direction was providing covering, care, oversight to Jesus. Does that make sense? His parents assumed that because he was, they assumed part of the caravan, that whatever, Jesus wouldn't have got into mischief. We'll go back to Ethan. Uh, That whatever he might have gotten into, that someone there would have helped to take care of that. And when they found out that he wasn't with them and they go back to Jerusalem, where do they see Jesus? They see Jesus in the context of being taught by religious leaders who, again, were not blood relatives. People who were inputting in, giving wisdom, giving insight, helping. They trusted the Lord to the community, and you and I must also be willing to be in a place, be in a church where we trust our children and grandchildren to the community of faith, to be encouraged, to be raised up, and to be discipled by them. Solomon says, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It's a contrast with our society today where children are not seen as a gift from the Lord or seen as a necessary undertaking, something to be tolerated instead of something to be rejoiced over. Yet when we read the truth of Scripture, we find that these children are a gift from the Lord, that the next generation is a gift from the Lord. What do you do with a gift? You employ it for its intended use. My dad's mother passed away, uh, I think around 2013, 2014. As they were going through the house and sort of organizing things and getting the house uh, prepared uh, to sell, my grandmother was a very orderly, very neat person. And uh, she would keep things in order, keep things together. And what they found as they began going through her stuff, that in the way she had ordered things, as you would, you know, throughout the years, giving her a card with some money in it for Christmas or a card with some money in it for, uh, for her birthday, she would take that card, leave the money in it, and stick it in her dresser drawer. Or take the money out and put it in one of those, you remember the old metal Band-Aid uh, cans? She'd keep put some in there. And so as they started going through some of her things, they would find money stuffed here from a birthday card, money stuffed over here from another birthday card, money stuffed over here from a a Christmas card. All these gifts that had been given but were never employed for their intended use, were never used for the purpose for which they 
were given. A gift that sits in a drawer is doing nothing for you. It's simply taking up space. That's why I think so many in the next generation, the statistics are pretty bad. So many in the next generations walk away from the church because they're seen as just sitting in the pew to take up space. It can't be so here. It can't be so here. The intention of the Lord in giving us a gift, the gift of the next generation is for that generation to invest wisely in the future. I believe that an 18-year-old young person is capable of preaching and teaching the gospel effectively if they have been trained effectively. A 19-year-old Susanna Wesley can have the strength to marry, eventually have 19 children, see 11 of them die, raise the other eight, and still faithfully serve the Lord all of her days. 19 children, 11 of them die, raise the other eight, and she faithfully served the Lord each and every one of her days. A young generation that is trained well can be a powerful generation for the kingdom because children are a gift from the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. In Solomon's days, warriors were trained to be expert archers. They were trained to hit the intended target. Our arrows were not made to stay in the quiver, but they were made to be fired toward a target. The warrior who had many arrows had the advantage in battle. I don't think that the scripture is trying to tell us that any family should have a certain number of children, but whatever number you have, they are a blessing and they are to be trained to hit the target. This passage is pointing us to the goal that as a church, we have to launch our children and grandchildren who are the next generation of church leadership toward a target. When the warrior launches the arrow, the warrior is the one who launches the arrow. You've never seen an arrow lift itself out of the quiver, put itself in the bow and fire itself, have you? The warrior, the trained warrior, knows the proper time to pull the arrow from the quiver and to pull it back and to release it, to hit the intended target. Trained warrior, he studies his target and he fires the arrow. Several years ago, Seth and I uh, took a hunter safety course. Uh, and I know some of you are uh, deer hunters or budding deer hunters uh, here. And what does the hunter do? The hunter studies a deer, doesn't he? I've had guys come out to my property and think about, you know, is it a place to hunt? And they'll ask, where are the trails that the deer go on? I mean, deer hunters, deer hunters are crazy people. <laughs> They will put things on their body that make them smell like deer. <laughs> I don't know how those things are collected from deer. <laughs> but they will do all kinds of things to catch a deer, to shoot a deer, to kill a deer. 
They study their target. They know their target well, and they know how to fire, whether it be a rifle or an arrow, uh, and hit their intended target. You and I must know our target very well. Our target is for our children, the next generation of the church, to live their lives in such a way that they glorify the Lord and make it to heaven. We want to see them in a vibrant church where the gospel is preached, people are saved, and the Spirit of the Lord is active, raising up a generation that is peculiar and unlike the world. This means that we're training our children to be launched. This is not just a message for parents, hear me. It is a message for every single one of us in this room this morning. I don't like to think about my oldest son growing up and moving out of the home. I've often told my kids as they were growing up, I'm going to turn your grow up switch off. I've told my wife with Isaiah, our youngest, as he crawls up in our lap, and I think this isn't going to last a whole lot longer. I've said, Nicole, you know, eight's not a bad number. (laughs) As she says, the baby shop is closed. But our goal is not to have children that stay in the house forever. We actually, even in our culture and society, we still look at that as kind of weird, don't we? Our goal is for them to be raised in such a way that they're bold and confident and at the proper age they are launched out into a society to make a difference for Jesus. She's still laughing. You know, we talk a lot about here in this church about what are the opportunities both for the little children, the older children. We think about what ministries or activities or things uh, that are important. And I'll tell you one of the things that for, for my children that I think about, I think there is a place and a time for us to uh, have children as they're growing, as they're learning to be patient in, you know, an hour and a half or two hour uh, service. I think there is a ministry that can happen for them that's effective and good. But I also think that it's important for our children to see both the young and old lift their hands and worship to the Lord. I think it's important for our children to see their moms and dads praising the Lord and the congregation of other people who are also praising the Lord. I think it's important for them to sing the songs that we sing and to hear the gospel and to see it lived out faithfully before them. That's why you will never hear me complain or never hear me get upset or never hear me make any comment about children that are making noises in a service. It doesn't bother me one bit. I can always speak louder. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me when parents are working with their kids or a child is crying out in the mouth of babes and infants, thou hast perfected praise. It doesn't bother me at all. I welcome the children to be with us at the proper time, proper age, as, as, as it's determined, because they need to see and hear what is going on. When there is a message that is given by the Holy Spirit of the Lord, I want my children to hear that message. I want my children to understand what is going on. I want my children to know and to believe that there is a power of the Holy Spirit that is presently working in the sanctuary, in the people of God. One of the things that, as I've, as I've reflected about this message and I think about, you know, what, 
why did God call me particularly my family to uh, come and to be a part of, of Riverstone Church. Why, what, what was that moment? What, what was that time when God sort of spoke and said, this is, this is what I'm calling you to do? And one of the things that the thing that God spoke or that God gave me a, a picture of was a generation of Children who may be raised up and, and have a clear understanding academically of the word of the Lord, but would lack the present working of the Holy Spirit. And I felt as God was leading us to launch out in this church that we have to have both. We have to have the present, powerful, mighty working of the Holy Spirit with the authoritative teaching and preaching of God's word. And we have to see the next generation raised up in that context of the power of God's word, preached with authority, but also the welcoming presence of the Holy Spirit that speaks in a dynamic way to God's people. That's what this church must be about. We must keep in our minds that as we seek to raise up the next generation, our goal is not to grow godly children, but to grow godly adults. We're not going to be children forever. We have to train them to be godly adults. Solomon says in the last part of verse 5, they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Why will they not be ashamed? Because they have godly arrows that are straight and true. The enemy in the city gate will see the superior firepower of the warrior. And there is no reason for the warrior to be ashamed. Riverstone Church has a calling, I believe. That's why often that you've heard me share that we may not be like the normal church. And the calling is that you and I who have said we're going to fellowship with this group of people, we have a responsibility to help to, to really raise up that next generation of believers. I shared at the outset of this message, that's what's on my mind the most, is to equip those of us who are older to impact those who are younger. To equip those who are older to give position, to give opportunity so that we can run with the baton and we can pass it off at exactly the right time to that generation that is coming behind us and we will be there to cheer them on effectively for the work of the Lord. This is why I think it's very important for us to be a church that plants other churches because other church plants give opportunity for other people to step into the calling that God has for them. I was going to ask, if you are here this morning uh, and uh, you are kind of under that uh, 25 and under a sort of age range, would you mind just standing for me if you're kind of 25 or, or under, if you would just kind of stand with me. Amen. There's some in the nursery there too. I'm going to ask you to make your way here in the front, please. I don't want to embarrass you. I know some of you guys don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, but I'm going to ask all of you, you're 25 and under, to make your way here to the front, please. Yeah, yeah and y'all can face the congregation there. 
So those of us who are 26-ish and older, and 25 was kind of a, a, a somewhat a random number, but um, it gives us a sense of the generational differences. But uh, those of us who are 26 and older, what I would like you to do is take a look at what is before you and realize it's not just my responsibility or the leadership of this church's responsibility. And it's not just the parent's responsibility who has a a blood uh, connection to uh, one or the other or one or more of these up here. It is each of our responsibility. I'm not willing to lose one of these. I don't want to see one of them take a step away from the Lord. I don't want to see one of them have to go through rough waters where they uh, question their faith in God. But there might be some in here who have that faith and perseverance of a Susanna Wesley or others throughout history who have stood tall and strong for the gospel. Which one of these is God going to call out and speak to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher? Which one will operate in the prophetic giftings? Which one will send out others fulfilling uh, the calling that God has placed upon them? We have a responsibility uh, to make sure that this generation, as much as we can through the grace of the Lord, follows after the ways of the Lord, and that this generation is able to pick up the reins from you and me at the proper time. Galatians 4.4 says that God uh, God sent his son at just the right time. Just the right time. God sent his son into the world. At just the right time. These are going to pick up the reins. And so, you know, someone said to me, you know, you have seven children. Why do you, why do you have seven children? I said, it's insurance against a nursing home. <laughs> Some, somebody's going to take care of me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we indoctrinate them towards this, you know, as we're, Nicole and I are talking to the kids. One of you. It's going to be Caroline. I really think it's going to be Caroline. Uh, but as we age as we grow older we want to equip this generation to care for us faithfully to teach us faithfully the word of God to rightly handle the word of truth and to provide a welcoming atmosphere for the present move of the Holy Spirit that will continue until Jesus comes It can't just be about us. It can't just be about what we want, what we like. We have to think very clearly about how we are going to help them walk in the path of righteousness. And I will tell you, I can't, and my wife can't do it alone for my children. We need you. And I would venture to say that the other families who are represented up here say, we need you. We need your help. So what I'm going to, uh, ask is that uh, some of you who are up here, I'm going to ask you to step forward and pray. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray for those who you're looking at, uh, that we would be faithful. We will be faithful to pass the baton at the right time, that we be faithful to preach and teach the word and provide opportunities and not hold on to opportunities too long and prevent you from stepping into the role that God has called you to fulfill.
that we'd be faithful to you and your service to the Lord to teach, train, and equip you to serve in his kingdom until he comes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this out. Uh, if a few of you be willing to step out and pray. And then what I'm going to do, Ben, if you'll you set that out there for me, please. Um, and then I'm going to ask those of us uh, who are out in the congregation, a few of you to come and pray for this generation as well. So without music, uh, without anything, let's just uh, let's just let the Lord speak here, uh, young people. If, if from no matter how old you are, how young you are, you sense the Lord kind of moving on you with a heart of prayer. I'd ask you just to step forward, be bold, don't be anxious, be bold, step forward, pray for the generation uh, that is ahead of you, that we would be faithful uh, with the gospel and to pass it on. Lord, I pray for the generation that is ahead of us, Father. Our parents and mentors, Lord, and I pray that they would be faithful to you, Lord, and that they would raise us up being godly adults, Lord, and that they would be good examples for us, oh Lord. I pray that they would teach us, Lord, in your, in your ways, O oh Lord Jesus, and they would guide us on our path in life. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all of the people that you brought together into this local body of believers, Lord, for those of us who are young and those of us who are older, Lord. I thank you that each of us has a place in this body, Lord, that you called each of us um, to a task within this church, Lord. Um, I pray for all of us young people that you would just be with us as um, we grow up and as we become responsible for our own faith, Lord, help us just to seek you um, and seek you wholeheartedly. And I pray for all of those who are older, Lord, um, that you would just be with them and help them to guide us, help them to teach us, Lord, uh, and help them to be faithful to the end as you help us to, um, to just grow into the calling that you place on each of our lives. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the family that I have ever pursued. My biological parents aren't here. What do you feel at home? Thank you for the wisdom that you've given the generation before us to teach us, with us. Mm. Heavenly Father, open their eyes to see the potential that is within us and give them wisdom to draw it out. Heavenly Father, open their ears to hear our pain and our cries. Mm. Give them divine answers to the questions that we have. That we may walk in their footsteps and not turn aside. 
pray that as we come to know that calling that you've given us, that um, these people would be right beside us to help guide us and um, pick us up when we may fall. And because um, I know, I, I know I'm not perfect and you know that as well. And um, I'm, I'm bound to fall and make mistakes, Lord. And I just thank you for the people that have been there in the past to help me and guide me. Um, not even just people here, but um, family and friends, Lord. I just pray that um, these people would continue to do what they have been doing um, and just guide us all, Lord. Um, thank you for such a great family. In Jesus' name, amen. As you stand here, maybe some of you out in the of the, the the generation that is ahead, you feel led to come and pray over this generation. Father, I thank you for these young people that are here, that we are passing the torch to. Hmm. But Father, I, I sense in my spirit you keep saying discernment. Father, the Holy Spirit that dwells within them, give them to understand and to yield to the discernment of good and evil while they are away. Pastor preached about leaving the nest, going away. But we know that Satan is going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, and he will be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And have our young people to be able to discern what is before them. And they'll hear and adhere to and draw to something that's tickling their ear. But may the spirit rise up in them Whatever the occupation they desire to do, you are able to shine 
through them. Not everyone will be a minister. Not one will. Yeah. Everyone will be a missionary. Mm. But wherever the occupation, you will yes. and you can show forth. And they can be a light in a dark place. Yes, but it will be Jesus. key that they be able to discern what is before them. Yes. And that they will go back to the roots of their childhood and the word that was planted in them. As Brother Anthony spoke on the last evening, that what they're hearing now will fall on good ground yes, and it God. will continue to grow and they won't let the world's darts and the world's things that they have come to snatch it away. But they will be firm in what they believe. And the winds may come, the winds may blow. But they will remember from whence they came. Mm. And the word will be firm in them. So just as you stated in your word, if we teach them as children what is true when they grow old and when they get older, they will not depart from it. And depart does not mean that they will never do anything wrong. It will limit them and what they will do wrong because the word is in them. So Father God, we bless our anointing upon these children. And God, let us be ever ready to give them the truth, not tickle them and give them words that we think they might hear, but give them truth mm -hmm. so that they can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for the future generation of this church, the generation that you have called us adults to um, be good stewards of. Father, I know that when I was young, I was looking about me to see who I can learn from. I had the mama vouches. I had the Tom and Cora's. I had the Jim and Darlene's. I had the Ottoman Mike. I had the Autumn Nims and the Sue Kramer. And God, I know that these children are looking at us just the same way. What can I learn from them? And will they give me a chance? And Father God, you've given me the opportunity to be able to serve alongside of those who I've always looked up to, and I thank you for that opportunity. And Father, I know that I can say thank you again because my children get to serve alongside of their children and their grandchildren. And Father God, you know the importance of all of that, the prayer, the sacrifice, the times where these people had to be the parents because our own parents couldn't um, show up for us when we needed them too. And so you called them as our spiritual parents. And God, I thank you for that. And Father, I just lift up to you this church that you would call us to
to be good stewards of the calling that you have given us to be spiritual parents to these standing behind me. And Father, I just thank you. What a gift it is to be able to look at how well the future of our church looks like, not just Riverstone, but the body of Christ and how well it will look if we also do our job to continue to plead your blood over them in their lives, to continue to hold them up in prayer, but most of all, to cultivate those gifts that you have given into them. Lord God, for us to be able to see and to also give them a chance because the other little ones are watching them too. And Father God, we just ask that your will continue to be done. Mm -hmm. That you would continue to use our hands, our voices, our feet. Help us to see with your eyes, Lord God. Help us to discern those gifts. Help us to know what those are and what to do with them. And help us to continue to encourage your children. We ask all these things in your name. We're going to give a mama and papa blessing. This is overwhelming to look at you guys this morning. And as I've been sitting, the Lord um, spoke to my heart. You are arrows being sharpened. Not everything that you will do for him is going to have a label. But it all lines up with his word every single thing that he will lead you in and all that he will guide you in and all that he has created you for, uh, it's all been predestined for you to do and it's holy because it's from him. Lord Jesus, I, I know you say they come from different backgrounds. Their homes are not all alike. They're your creation. They're filled. For your glory, you have plans for them to use them. Lord, now as the arrows are being sharpened for your purpose, protecting guard over them, I ask you, Lord Jesus, let not the enemy come to steal or to kill or to destroy. Let him not discourage. We cast off discouragement. Lord, you've created each one of them with intention and purpose. Their identity is sound and secure in you. Their identity is not lost. It is not confused in you. And Lord, I ask for you to settle on them today, Lord God, and secure in their heart that you indeed have a mantle for them, that it is a holy mantle it is a holy inheritance. It is a family of God inheritance. And it doesn't matter if things haven't been perfect at all in their homes. 
what difficulty they've come from, how hard things may have been, how hard things may be. You have called them out, each one of them by name. And each one of them in you strongly has a resemblance of their Savior inside. Your fingerprint marked for your glory. And Lord Jesus, I declare over them that all of their days are for you. And though the enemy does come, he will not steal, he will not kill, and he will not destroy, he will not take what you have put inside, marked for your glory, for eternity. Hmm. Before they were even formed in their mother's womb, Lord, you set apart each and every beautiful young person here. And we give you glory and we give you praise, oh Lord God. And we tremble, Lord Jesus, at your... We tremble at the... Forgive us where we failed. Oh, God. Lord, we repent. And we ask that for your name's sake and for your glory, God, cover over, Lord, the error. Cover over the weakness, God. And strengthen, Lord Jesus, what you designed, precious as family, Lord. The individual units here, Lord God, in the body together here. And we ask for you to cover over every place, Lord Jesus, because your blood covers over all of us, God. Cover over each one, Lord Jesus. Now would you please bring healing, Lord God. Over those who are hurting here, Lord, we ask. Bring your healing, Lord Jesus. Because we know it must take place, Father, for them to be able to move forward in your voice. And we trust you to do it. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. Because we know we will see it. And we accept your strength, God. We accept it in Jesus' name. What a beautiful moment. Kids... You know, I know half of you don't know me, but I will say that, that you're going to see failure. You're going to see hurt. You're going to see humans that are trying to serve a creator God, that are going to say things that are just wrong in the moment. They may feel like they're doing good. You know, I look back in my young teenage years, and I had a, a mentor that I looked up to just just hurt me. And there were many times as a teenager, as a young person, I was like, God, what's the point? What's the point in, in serving? What's the point in, in taking up this call to serve? Because the people that I look up to are, are failures. And I, I took that 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 hurt and internalized it. So my prayer for you is be on guard. Your parents, your family, your leadership, we're human, we're failures. But God covers that by his grace and his love. Lean in and press in. Always ask for clarity. God, what are you trying to say? I look at the moments that I went through 
And I learned from that. As hard as it was, as hard as it was, I learned from that. And God protected me. And God allowed me to see that. And there's, there's, there's still a part of me that doesn't necessarily want to get involved in some things because I don't want to be like that. And God's convicted me of that. Because we are failures, but we have a lot to offer. We love you and have a love for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, that you would guard our hearts and our tongues as, as leaders, as adults, as mentors, fathers. These young people look up to us, God. What do you have for us to offer them? Lord, begin to show us, God. Begin to build our faith in you and in ourselves, God, that you would allow us the privilege and honor to serve these young people, God, to bring them forward, Lord, to see their giftings and callings, Father, to, to see what's inside of them that you birthed in them, God, that you placed in them, God. Lord, help us to see that, God, and, and show us how to lead, how to lead in truth, God, how to lead in patience, how to lead, lead in righteousness and holiness, God. Lord, it's not a gloom and doom message, Lord. I know that I, I come across sometimes as fearful, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch me, God, that you would use me for your glory, Father. Lord, if there's anything that I've done, anything that I've said, Lord, that has, that has been hurtful or offensive or, or anything like that, God, I ask you, God, that you would remove that, Father, that you would forgive me, Father. Lord, that you would draw us all to repentance, Father. And Lord, as adults, that you would allow us to see that our words are important. Lord, that, that we're, when we say something negative, Father, that it has repercussions, God, that it, it means more to some people than just that flippant moment that we've said it, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us to holiness, God, that you would draw us to righteousness, God, that you would allow us to see that the future generation that's standing before us, God, needs mentors, God, that needs people to be truth to them and light to them, Father. And Lord, that you would allow us not to be of ourselves, Father, but of you in these moments, God, when these, these children are crying out for help or, Lord, if there's an issue or a need, Father, that you would, Holy Spirit, would draw us to that and you would allow us to see through your eyes at that moment what needs to be said or done, Father. And Lord, it can be said in, in true righteousness, God, and not of ourselves, Lord. Lord. So I pray for protection for these young people, God. Lord, the world is so different from when I grew up, Father. Lord, there's so many more pressures and so many more problems and so many more things that come at them, God. And Lord, I pray that you would protect them, God, that you would call them to you, God, that you would call them to righteousness, Lord, that there'd be no confusion, there'd be no frustration, God. Lord, that you would bring them up in your kingdom, Lord, begin to call and draw. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I, as I stand here and I look at them, there's two very strong emotions that I have. And number one is, is the gratitude. Uh, if, if children are a gift, what a great gift that we've been given. What a great gift we've been given. I look at each one of you, just individually, each one of you are so precious and such a gift. And so I'm thankful to the Lord for that. And then the, the second emotion I have is kind of a theme going here, but the second emotion I have is, is my own weakness. When I see the, the great task that we've been given, I realize just how weak that I am.
And I feel like Solomon, when, when, he was, uh, when Solomon was just a child and he was given the job being king, and he said uh, he lacked the wisdom to lead such a great people. And so I feel that. I feel like I, I lack the wisdom. I lack the ability. I'm weak. I'm weak. And just like Mike was saying, um, I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect. And so, so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the great, great treasure that we've yes, been given, Jesus. Lord. What a blessed church yes, we are. Jesus. Thank you for these precious children, God. Thank you, Lord. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Thank you. And Lord, I'm weak. You know that I'm weak, and I need you. We all, we're all weak. This task that we've been given, we're not up to. We don't have the ability. We don't have the wisdom. But Lord, you are strong. You are strong, Lord. So we pray, Lord. We pray for that wisdom. We pray for that strength, Lord. I pray for each one of the adults here, Lord. I pray that we would be steady that we would continue to be steady and serve you without fail, without wavering, Lord. Mm. So that when these kids, they're look, when they're looking for strength, they see you in us. They see yes. that strength, Lord. Strengthen us. Make us strong, Lord. Make us strong so that we can be that example. So that we can be that example to these, these children that when their world is shaken, they see adults that worlds have been shaken, and yet we continue to serve you, God. So we pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your grace and mercy today, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this group of young people that are here. And Lord, I just pray that as we uh, conclude this time together, as we lift them up to you, Lord, we pray, God, that together, one church, one people, Lord, we would serve you faithfully. God, that your name would be exalted, that your name would be praised, Lord Jesus. God, that together, Lord, that we would sing your praises, Lord Jesus, together we would work in your harvest field. Together, Lord Jesus, we would stand firm upon the rock of your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for each one of them today, and I pray your blessings upon them. And Lord, I ask you to help us as well. God, help us to know how to equip, how to uh, be able to pour into this generation for your glory. And so, God, we thank you for this. This. On this uh, first Sunday of 2022, God, that by your grace and by your mercy, Lord Jesus, you will help us to point ourselves each and every day in this year, Lord, not towards what the news media says, not towards what the world is saying, Lord, but uh, towards our common call to equip and to empower a generation that will be faithful with the gospel message, reaching this community, this city, this uh, state, this country, the world, Lord Jesus, for your name. And so we thank you for it, God. We rejoice in you today. We love you. We praise you, Jesus, for the things which you have done. And God, we just ask you to help us in these things for your glory. We honor you today, and we thank you for your presence that is here. We know that these prayers will continue to be before you, Lord. And we ask you, God, to just hear our cry, hear our heart to you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's praise the Lord together. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. 
If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.